Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. And what is up? Welcome, man. You know what time it is. GC Live, Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark, a Friday post game edition of. GC Live. Normally, we're giving our final preview at about this time. Today, we are giving a fairly rapid reaction to South Carolina's win over SC State, fifty to ten. Uh, first of all, before we want to go, before we go any further, want to send out you know thoughts, prayers, well wishes to everybody out there who may be dealing with the hurricane um, here in Columbia. I think we're fine. Um, little windy, little rain. We were just talking. Hopefully, we don't lose power during the show. Uh, been some flickers here or there, but um, Chris, you guys good over there? I mean, I'm I'm on a different side of town than you. I mean, it's a storm outside, but everybody's all good. Certainly, there I'm sure there's people in our listening um, area or people that listen in, I should say, that are probably doing much worse. So, hope everybody out there is staying safe. Yeah, for sure. No, it's good here, man. Uh, just heard a noise and was like, "What was that?" And it was some whistling. The the wind is whipping. Pretty good here, um, and our actually our power flickered very briefly a little while ago. So hopefully we'll keep that, and hopefully uh, we can do the show. But I uh, think we'll be good. Um, certainly we are not even close to. We have a storm here. Others have it much much worse. I was just I just saw Wes on social media, even down in Charleston Garden City, a lot of storm surge down there. So at the very minimum, some property damage. Hopefully everybody stays safe. I know we got. A lot of folks from all around, whether it's Florida, down at the coast. So everybody stay safe out there. And uh, hopefully some of them are getting to to watch us right now. But uh, most importantly, just stay safe out there. Take care of yourself. Yeah, Daniel weighing in saying stay safe as well. Trey Daniel weighing in said they dodged the bullet in Bluffton and Hilton Head. Um, hopefully a lot of that. Hopefully everybody dodges the worst of it. Um, you know, and I think some people are out of power right now or power's out at a bunch of homes. But Hopefully, if that's the worst that happens, then everybody will be just fine. Or, um, again, just wishing everybody well. Uh, Chris, uh, no segue from that. Let's um, get into the football game and, I guess, talk a bit about what we saw. I still have not completely made it through my rewatch of the game. I'm actually deep into the third quarter at this point. Um, South Carolina just scored their reaction touchdown to SC State scoring their touchdown. I thought that was a great drive, actually, man. Looking back over it, I had forgotten just how um, much of an answer that was. That was 
probably the worst drive of the game for the defense was the first one off top, um, you know, to start the second half. And, uh, you know, then the offense had had a really nice answer there. But, um, Chris, man, let's start big picture as we always do. Overall thoughts on South Carolina's 50-10 to 10 win on Thursday night at Williams-Price. Yeah, very big picture thought, and I'll try not to dive too deep in in the course of my answer, Wes, but um, it's a 40-point win. Uh, it's the first time that South Carolina has scored 50 points in back-to-back games since 1995. That's coming from our colleague and our friend Colin Taylor at GamecockCentral.com. Um, and, look, you can you can put all sorts of qualifiers and things like that with that statistic, schedule, whatever it may be. But another positive result, and South Carolina now, to zoom out into the big picture of the 2022 season, they sit at 3-2. and two. Now the real challenge begins, right? 3-2 and two is not some huge shock from what we thought coming into the season. The, the best you probably could have thought it would be is 4-1, and one, unless you were, frankly, being kind of unrealistic. And three and two was probably your quote unquote worst case, you know? Uh, so are there some things that are different uh, after game five? Uh, some things that maybe are better than we thought or worse than we thought for sure. Um, but big picture wise, they're three and two. There is a lot to clean up. Shane Beamer was, I, I think those first words out of his mouth after he said some words about the hurricane, uh, after he talked about the logistics of moving the game and thanking everybody, thanking the fans that showed up to the game. First words out of his mouth, we got a lot to clean up, and there's no doubt that's right. This was kind of a – it was a sloppy game for South Carolina in a lot of ways. It was a little disjointed at times. It's clunky. Like, that was the word that kept coming in my mind. It was a clunky game, but they still won by 40. And there was still some good in there. And I think some of the negatives that we saw in the game, um, you know, have some qualifiers attached to them as well. And I know we'll dive into some of those things. But it's a 40-point win. You're at a, a three and two mark with a lot to clean up, but some things to build on too, with a huge game coming up uh, next week. So I felt like sl- sloppy was the word that came to mind for me. Like it was just, but it felt, it did feel, you know, Be- Beamer wouldn't make the excuse. Like somebody even gave it to him and he was like, I'm not going to make that excuse that it was a short week. To me, it felt like a game against an opponent you're supposed to beat where you're maybe working on some different things on offense, where it's been a short week, there's been distractions. The game was never really in doubt for South Carolina. And I didn't think either team played it out like the game was in doubt. Like, I I felt like South Carolina, there was never any panic on the Carolina sideline. Um, You know, SC State had a fourth and five at like the 38 of South Carolina early in the game. They punted it away. Um you know, it it wasn't it it felt. I don't know, man. May, maybe this is going too far. Maybe this is an insult to the guys out there competing. I don't mean it this way. It felt very much almost like an exhibition. Like it it felt like it felt like both sides were working on some things, man. Like I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm dead wrong in that. Like everybody was trying. Don't get me wrong. The players on the field were trying their tails off, but. You know, fourth and five. I know, I know they struggled in the passing game. But I was like, fourth and five at your 38, at the, your opponent's 38. I was like, man, are they trying to win this game or are they just trying to like hang around? You know, I was shocked it, by that. It was a it was a great punt. Um, if I remember correctly, it angled um well out of bounds perfectly. And that may have been did Carolina have a 95 yard drive after that? I think I think they did. I may be mixing that up. Um Again, I still got to keep going back through the game. But I don't know, man. It felt to me sloppy, but end result was about what you expected. It eventually got there, and it was the late touchdown was literally putting it on either side for the degenerates out there who were gambling on this game, on either side of the line, which tells you it played out. I bring that up to say it, it played out about the way the, quote, experts expected in terms of, like, the point total and the uh, the difference in the two scores. So, um, you know, I, I think some of the issues for this game, like the two interceptions, I mean, we all saw it, like not going to pick on the receiver who, you know, dropped the two balls, especially the, the second one was tough. But 
those are just physical errors. You know, it's it's just something that happens. I personally do not quite put those in the same category as an offensive issue with execution where maybe you're going the wrong way. Maybe you aren't sure of yourself in taking your steps as an offensive lineman. You just make a mental mistake. Sometimes in football, sometimes in sports, your body just does not do what you want it to do as a player. And, you know, Xavier Leggett catches, especially that second one, he probably catches that ball maybe literally with his eyes shut most of the time. He just didn't make the play. It is what it is. I don't think that's some – I don't really think that tells us much about the offense. They were driving down the field again. Again, sloppy, did what they were supposed to do. I I thought they worked on the passing game a bit more. We wondered going in, what would the game plan be? I thought they worked on the passing game um, after working on the running game quite a bit last week, Chris. Yeah, and I've I've tried to figure out a lot of the conversation's been kind of pretty negative after this game, and so I'm trying to think about why that is. Fully recognizing, I want to get into some of these things that. I have concerns about what this team going forward when, when we push it forward to Kentucky and conference play. There's a bunch of them. Just as a preview, still, I mean, there were still some gash runs by SC State in the game, you know, offensively. That That's a concern. Uh, the turnover for South Carolina, big concern. I, I think what it was, Wes, is just you didn't get a lot of offensive plays. I think they had 61 in the game. It's not a lot of plays. You do skill, st- still score, can't spit it out, 50 points. You punt once, right? But you had the turnovers. You had the special teams there. You had the two interceptions. The, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is why people are so upset. And I think it comes down to two things probably. The general kind of clunkiness of the game. Having probably too many negative plays against SC State, which is another concern the turnovers, I think scoring just eight points in the first quarter and probably not putting this team away early enough, quote-unquote. Like, like I think – I don't know if Gamecock fans will appreciate or like this example. Like, Clemson, for example, played South Carolina State last year, and they won 49-3. to So, a very, very similar result. But they were up 35 nothing. I think, at halftime. Mm-hmm. South Carolina was up, what, 22 to nothing at halftime? 22 nothing, yeah. So – you know, I mean, maybe you're splitting hairs there, but it, it, there was this line between I never felt like South Carolina was going to lose the game or in danger of it, but I was also sitting there watching it live saying they're taking a little while to put this team away, you know, and and you could say that is a concern. You could also say there were some plays in this game where, I mean, what are what are kind of the odds even of that Xavier Leggett play, the first one? where he stumbles, the ball bounces off of him, basically, and then there happens to be somebody there. Those things, I mean, they're a little bit of a a freakish kind of nature. At the same time, South Carolina has kind of found and invented ways offensively this year to turn the football over in every game. And until you stop that trend, you have to wonder – how long that trend will continue. And we know that as they get back into conference play against the top 10 team on the road, that's something they do have to stop. So, so can they do it? And I, maybe that's a concern going forward for everyone. Well, and, and Beamer uh, is clearly a concern for Beamer. Like he has mentioned several times lately, you know, have to stop turning the football over. And, you know, I, Chris, I, I think um, sort of looking back over the game a little bit, um, I almost wonder if the fact that both teams were turning the ball over, both teams had some penalties. It almost like I, I think quite like I think naturally, even though you know you're a Gamecock fan out there looking at it from a South Carolina perspective, we all know what good football looks like. We all know what sort of um, not good football looks like, and I think with both sides turning the ball over, both sides having some actually pretty big penalties. Um, SC State had a long run eliminated. Um, South Carolina had an interception eliminated by defensive pass interference, uh, gave SC State several first downs on those. And so if you're watching, it's just like, 
the game starts and stops and starts. And there's just not a lot of rhythm. It's almost like watching um, some some of the SEC basketball games over the years where it's just like, all right, get the ball back and go down, foul is called. Then goes back the other way, a foul is called. There, you know, the rhythm of the game is kind of all out of whack. So if you're watching, I do wonder it wasn't necessarily the most fun game to watch. No. Like just from a pure fan entertainment standpoint. Um, so that that to me kind of uh maybe just plays into that that little feel for for what people are experiencing right now. But but the results the last two weeks have been, I mean, about in line with what they probably should have been, I think. Yeah, and, and that is what I'm wondering about is that disconnect. If you they won these last two games by 36 and 40, correct? Wait, cor- correct. I cannot speak today. The weather is obviously affecting my head. So they won the last two games by 76 points combined. There are things in there to be upset about, concerned about, but I'm trying to take as a big picture. Let me let me give my big picture thought that does not pertain to playing Kentucky, Tennessee, et cetera. I don't know what it would have taken to satisfy, you know, I mean, the Charlotte game very early was in question, but not really, not, not after the first quarter, SC state game is never really in question. I'm, I'm trying to figure, I mean, those two interceptions in the game last night, I think the one happened on the SC state 20. The other one was in probably field goal range on the SC state territory. South Carolina probably scores at least six points on those and up to 14. So, I mean, if they – 64 to 10 good enough? I mean, I, you know, at some point you kind of have to draw the line. C- coming into this game, we had said – I think all – we West picked – what did you pick? I picked 56 to 10. You I had 49-13. 49-13. And I think we picked that – saying not only do, do we think this is this will what happen, but I picked that saying I think this will happen, and, and I think it's a good result. You know, when I picked South Carolina to lose to Georgia by a pretty decent amount, it was I think this is what will happen, and I don't think this is a very good result for them, but this is how I feel it will play out. So winning by 40 is a pretty, it's a pretty good result. So then you just get into breaking down individual things, and, and look, I, I do think it's both. There can be nuance to it. There can be complexities to it where you should be very satisfied and not completely go overboard about what happened in a win that was pretty sloppy. You can also be concerned about some of those sloppy things that you saw and have been seeing for most of the year and how it pertains to the games that lie ahead. Yeah, I think it is hard to learn much from, you know, these opponents that that are just overmatched or South Carolina has the better talent, better athletes, better all the way around. And, you know, Maybe a play works against one of these teams that won't work against Kentucky, for example. Maybe a guy in the open field makes an SC State player miss. He doesn't make a Kentucky. Like It's hard to kind of look at it and, and know even what we're seeing, like what it means. So, you know, I, I think that that's something obviously to consider. Like these are overmatched opponents. We had South Carolina winning big for a reason. And they are going to have to – they're going to have to play better against Kentucky uh, to beat Kentucky next week at Kentucky, like on the road. Like that, they are going to have to play better. They're going to have to take better care of the football. But I, you know, I think we've, we've asked for an identity from the offense now for almost a season and a half, uh, closing in on a season and a half. I think we've seen probably close to what that identity at least is for now. You don't have to like it. You don't have to like what the identity is. Right. But, um, and I'm not talking to anybody in particular. I'm just saying in general, the general you, like the identity thing has been talked about for, for I don't know how long now. It's what's the identity of this offense. They've, to me, the last two game plans have been as like, aligned in what they're trying to do as any two in a row that we've maybe seen 
uh, you know, since Satterfield got here. And to me, Chris, I think people get caught up into pass versus run. I think that's too general. When I think of identity, it doesn't mean do you just pass the ball more than you throw the ball. Yes, that is part of it. But I, I thought the game plans themselves, the package of plays the last two weeks were very similar. South Carolina just called more passes from that subset of plays Sat or Thursday than they did the previous Saturday against against Charlotte. But the runs were the same or similar runs. Still lots of counter, lots of inside zone, and you know, a little more under center, a little more two tight ends. Um, and, and by that, a little more, I mean there was a little more two tight ends for each of the last two weeks than there was the previous three games, I think. And uh, a little more under center than we saw the previous three games and some play action off of it. To me, we're, we are starting to see what that identity is. And now what we're going to find out next week is, does this identity play? Does it play up? Does it execute against SEC opponents? Yep. Can it carry over? Because part of how South Carolina structured that was, I mean, what did we talk about all week leading up to Charlotte and SC State? It sounded familiar with both. It was two teams that are not very good. Charlotte is also obviously pretty good offensively. Um, but two teams that weren't very good, two defenses that have not played well this season. And so what we talked about all, you know, throughout the week is from what we saw, what we thought, what we heard, South Carolina was going to keep it very simple. They were going to simplify everything because – why overcomplicate it, you know, in those games? And so I've been a little bit surprised at some of the reactions after those games of, well, why is South Carolina calling this? Well, because that's all they need to call in those games. And you know what? For a team that has struggled executing some of the basics this year, work on the basics. It's fine to do the basics. Um, now, you can dive into those. I mean, some of the some of the perimeter quick passes we saw – last night were not extremely successful. Some of that was correctable stuff, I thought. I thought a couple times the receivers caught the ball and kind of, for lack of a better phrasing, they just went the wrong way. Kind of cut inside when they didn't need to. Just get up the field. Get five yards. Um, I think some of those things are correctable. But we also why line up and, and call a bunch of convoluted passing concepts where something could go wrong and derail everything? You don't need to do that. And, look, Wes, we talked about even before Charlotte and SC State, after the first three games, we were sitting around wondering, should, does South Carolina need to simplify things a little bit to find some things that Spencer Rattler likes and can dial back and accentuate his strengths in the passing game? Yes, we did talk about that. Did we also talk about they need to find a way to run the ball more effectively? Yes, we did. Now, maybe they found some of those. Maybe they stumbled into them. The opponent certainly had something to do with it because they're not going to find as much resistance in those two as they will against Kentucky and all the other teams are going to play in conference play. But nonetheless, they did at least do those things. And so now where I'm left personally, don't want to speak for anybody else, where I'm left with is I still don't really know. I think we have a sense of what this team's identity could slash should be, but I don't know if it will carry over to the Kentucky game. Are they going to have to throw the ball down the field more than they have. Yeah. We've seen some signs that maybe they could do that, but they're going to have to be more consistent in it. And they're going to have to do some of the basics that they've done, running counter, running inside zone, quick passing, Spencer Rattler creating. We're going to need to see that carry over as well. But I just don't have a definitive answer on what this offense is or how good it could be because they've had struggles against really good teams. And they've had some struggles against a not very good team in Georgia State. And they've had a lot of really good moments against a couple, you know, teams that aren't very good. So it's very much been a mixed bag. And I think we need this Kentucky game as a measuring stick, quite frankly, for what this team could be the rest of the year. Yeah. And uh, right now, man, with some people, they they're damned. They do damned. They don't basically like. It's kind of one of those situations where I, I don't I don't know what it's going to take offensively to make some people happy. Like they they have they've done what they're supposed to do. Yes, there were there were some ugly moments 
at times last night. But, uh, I mean, against Charlotte, I don't know what more you want. And, like, I don't know what more you want from the offense then. And, you know, man, they a lot of what they did successfully against Charlotte was the short passing game, was the horizontal quick throws to the outside, getting the ball out there quick. And that that's going to be a part of what they do offensively. Like, I think that is clear. Like, that's been – that was an emphasis in the preseason. They were not happy with the perimeter blocking against Georgia State. And I think, Chris, that was – that felt to me like, okay, we worked on this all offseason and then got into the game and – we're not happy with how how it played out. Like that's that was my feel from the coaching staff perspective. Um, they were very very disappointed in the perimeter blocking against Georgia State, and it was because they've worked on that all off season. I think that's a part of what they want to be. And I mean, if if you can block on the edge, those things can be a big part of your offense. And if you uh, if you can execute it, I mean. Look, look at what Georgia does, and I'm not comparing South Carolina's offense to what Georgia does, but a lot of their passing game concept stuff is not complicated. It really isn't. It's get the ball out quick, get the ball to your playmakers, and block your tails off on the edge. And that's going to have to be a part of what South Carolina does offensively because I don't – I think they're going to have to be a balanced offense. It's not a team that's just going to drop back, throw the ball down the field, and become a vertical – passing offense though I like what we saw from that in flashes against SC State I mean the deep ball to Jalen Brooks um, great adjustment by him great catch by him he has continued to be an excellent threat for this offense Um, the little corner route to Jaheim Bell in the third quarter one of the I mean just an absolute perfect throw that was off play action a lot of what they were trying to do and Beamer said this a lot of what they were trying to do, Chris, against State was break some tendencies to get get some looks on the field that basically um, could, could break the tendencies that other teams are going to see when they do their deep dive into your offense. So, Chris, I think that's a lot of what we saw yesterday as well. Yeah, Uh <laughs> What Beamer noted about uh, Nate Adkins that they had run a thousand percent of the time, he said, when when Nate Adkins was in the game, which was true, um, and that was one of those, you know, sloppy things. Wes Nate Adkins, I mean, they had a little pass on to him, and Spencer overthrew him. Um, so I, I thought he played. I mean, that was one throw he missed. I thought he played a really really good game uh, last night, which is probably to be expected. So it could be that he's continuing to kind of settle into the offense. Um, and there's nothing wrong with needing or having a couple of lesser opponents that you match up better against in order to do that. There's there's certainly nothing wrong with doing that, especially when you've got a very, very challenging stretch coming up. So, yeah, I, that that is something that I was thinking about after the game as well is because, you know, the snaps for Jaheim Bell, that's been a big talking point among Gamecock fans. I think I don't have it in front of me, Wes. I think it was like 15 last night. Uh, they only had 61 total snaps. So Jaheim Bell didn't play a ton. Uh, but it's kind of been when Jaheim Bell's in the game, if if he's not carrying the ball in some form or fashion, it's either been in, you know, him blocking on the perimeter for a shorter pass or uh South Carolina passing the football a lot of the time. I haven't gone through and and charted it. I don't want to make some definitive statement. When Nate Atkins has been on the field, they have been running the football. And so, yeah, trying to break some of those tendencies. uh, This is an offense that, to go back to the old old margin for error, well, they still don't have a lot. They're not going to have a lot. Nobody really does in conference play, but especially South Carolina, they're not going to have a lot. And so breaking those tendencies – finding a way to take better care of the football. And I don't even – like on the surface, you didn't see anything last night where you were like, wow, they've got to do a better job taking care of the football. You saw the special teams there. You had the the ball that popped out. What was that, Marshawn? And they ended up getting it back somehow. That was one. But there weren't many plays where you're like, wow, they're really putting it in danger. The two interceptions, the ball wasn't in danger at all. 
it just it just bounced off a guy and here it is. So they have to find a way to correct that. And they have to be able to do some of these more simple things, perimeter throws, running the football. They have to do those well and they have to eliminate the turnovers. And that's the baseline. Then we can start talking about hitting more explosive plays and things of that nature in conference play. Yeah, man. So um, again, Jalen Brooks, good game. I thought, like you said, Spencer had a really efficient game. He he really only missed uh, the the ball to Nate Atkins. You're talking about. Um, I was looking at PFF. I don't think they're the end all be all, but they had him as no turnover worthy plays, which basically means there were no balls um, in danger, basically in the passing game. You know the the first the first one that Leggett dropped. Um, it did hang up there a little bit. Like, I don't know if that was a perfect throw, but it wasn't necessarily a turnover-worthy throw. The, the second one, the second one, I'm sure the frustrating thing about that internally is that you had a great call. It was third and long. You had the right call home for what defense they were in. They dropped way back um, into a zone. I think it was a cover three. And you had basically like a little comeback-type route on the outside. They drove the cornerback off. Leggett breaks it off. Protection is there. Spencer throws a dime, and it just gets missed. So you had you had basically every element you needed for a successful third down conversion. And I'm I'm guessing he he got he turned his eyes off the ball. Like that has to be what had happened because um, otherwise everything else was there. So there were some moments that were good. There were some moments that were bad. I thought Marshawn once again. I'll tell you one thing, man. To me, if if these two weeks have showed us anything at all, like I feel very comfortable saying the biggest thing they've gotten out of these two weeks is just a complete confirmation that Lloyd can be a true, like pretty bona fide playmaker if you can get him enough space to operate. Like we all thought that. We all thought he was back to being the five-star guy they recruited. Um, but we didn't really know. And and they really, other than in the passing game, they had not been able to get him room. I mean, he was not averaging much per carry at all through the first three games. You know, and I'll admit, there was part of me wondering, you know, he may be healthy, but is, is this going to work? Like, is this going to work to where he can be a dynamic back? I know it's bad opponents. We don't have to keep saying that, I guess. But that's my biggest takeaway is that if you can just if you can operate well enough up front to give this guy a little bit of space, he very clearly to me is one of your best playmakers. He is, and they've gotten him going. I mean, we, we spent an entire year last year, Wes, wondering why South Carolina was allergic to a screenplay. I mean, could not run one if if the game or their lives depended on it. And uh, they've been able to find that. There were, I think, a couple of those. The, the touchdown where he got face masked. That was a screen play. And then there was another one, I think, later in the game that they had some success on that was kind of a later developing type of screen play. So they found a few of those for Marshawn Lloyd. He's certainly been an asset in the passing game, um, and he's shown some of what he can do in the run game with some chunk runs. And I think, Wes, that's actually going to be a critical part of success for South Carolina as we kind of bring it forward and push it forward. This team has still not been extremely explosive. Now, I do think they have about two games, being the last two, where you almost have to throw that out because I think they were a little bit more conservative in those games by design. You throw out Georgia. I mean, not throw it out, but Georgia, you obviously didn't create any in that game. You didn't create much of anything. Um, Georgia State, you, you struggled and scuffled in that game. But they, do, they are going to have to find more explosive plays going forward. They, they've got to do the basics. They've got to do more explosive plays going forward. And so Marshawn Lloyd is a guy who, in the run game, in the pass game, he's been someone that's been able to create those for you in open space. So he'll be a critical part of the offense going forward. And um, certainly they they need him to continue his good play, and they've got to find him opportunities. How about the Taka Hemingway play? That, that was pretty cool. Like that, uh, I feel like, the staff, um, I mean, the, the long list of trick plays that Pete Limbo must have um, designed. Um, I mean, I, I'd love, I don't find myself saying I'd love to see that special teams playbook 
like ever. I've never even had that thought before, but I would love to see what all is in the Pete Limbo playbook. I got a feeling, man, those things are also done just to keep the guys engaged. Like that, that's fun. You bust your tail as Tonka Hemingway on defensive line, obviously, all year long, but you're playing on special teams. Uh, Tonka is actually on the um, field goal team as well as basically an offensive lineman, as a protector. So you bust your team, or you bust your tail. Like that, that wasn't a situation where he was just put out there, obviously, for this trick play. He's been a blocker for every single PAT this year, probably. Goes out there, gets the direct snap to him. They had the numbers on the play. Like it wasn't that he just bullied over somebody. It was it was the right call um, against anybody. It was three blockers, three defenders over top of the football, snap it straight to Tonka and go. But that those are the type of things where I think special teams can help you keep guys engaged because you reward your best uh, your best players, your best workers by giving them a chance to go uh, to go score. Yeah, and, and it continues to show that aggressive mentality. They're not. You know, a, a lot of times I've even had this thought, I'll fully admit, it's kind of like you don't want to save that for another game, another situation. But Beamer said they have a, a library of them. And I think that's probably a pretty, pretty big library. If I had to, if I had to guess, uh, maybe Thomas Cooper size, Wes, library of, of plays. And yeah, I think it's a fun thing. Obviously, the players love it. Wes, do you think, let's say that Beamer, wants to decide to go for two to win a game. You mm-hmm. you, you kind of it's kind of the underdog mentality of man, we're not stopping them defensively. We just scored. It's the end of the game. Do you think he runs a two point play or does he go out there and get a look with this field goal team and run one of Professor Limbo's plays? What gives you the best odds? I'll tell you, man, the the Pete Limbo plays What's the record on those? Have they have they missed one? I'm trying to think. We need to go back and look. It feels like they've missed one. I think they did miss one, and I cannot remember what it was. It might have been, but last. they've hit a bunch. They've hit several. It's a pretty good. Uh, hit rate. All right, I'll give you an answer. It, you know, I think if it's like if it's hey, you have to go for two, like you have to, you know. I'm putting my regular offense out. Yeah, 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 yeah. If so, the chances even even if it's like a late game situation, PAT ties it, two point wins it. Let's say there's like no time left. You know, there's five seconds left in the game. You would think the percentage goes down in sort of the the special teams version of it because the other team is going to be heightened alert hyper aware yep but i dare say there may be a play in there where limbo uses their heightened awareness against them you know like some type of misdirection off of it so i don't know man I, i i think it would depend on the opponent it would depend on information that we'll never probably have and that's what did your scout that week say as far as you know again it also would depend on if i had a timeout because i would maybe line up in this i would line up in the special teams look see what i got then call a timeout if i if i didn't have it there you go okay ah just a just a little just a little detour there for us i was just wondering but if you do that and you don't get it you have to deal with the Twitter mob. Whoo! Goodness. But, but yeah, that'd be a tough one. So you probably put your offense on the field. As fun as it would be to see Taka score a game-winning two-point conversion to beat Kentucky this week. That'd go very viral. Right. If they, if they like. put the offense on the field and don't get it, the Twitter mob would say, well, we should have put our special teams on the field. They got a better shot. They say you should have kicked the PAT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that'd be the biggest one. Um, what, uh, what, what games are y'all watching this weekend? You got your Saturday. I'm watching all the games. So you got, here, you got to choose to an extent, man, unless you so have. Give me, all right, give me some time. All right. Kentucky Ole Miss is a nooner. Correct. Yeah. yeah I, I know that, um, 
I know integrated media hooked you up, but you don't have the eight TV setup the way um, no, still does. You, yeah, so I've got the video game switcher from integrated media that, quite honestly, through no fault of them, has not been used in a while. But that's just because of busy work and dad schedule. I, but you just gave me a brilliant idea for those guys, and I'm going to probably tell them about it, and they can easily do it because they're geniuses. The eight TV set up on a big wall right over here with some kind of switcher. Or no, no switcher. I don't need a switcher. They'd just all be playing different games at the same time. That yeah, would be sad. Con- so Kentucky Ole Miss is a nooner, or more accurately, accurately, that would be 11 a.m. in the Grove. Is that right? Um which I have been to an 11 a.m. game uh, and, and did a, I, I got a little bit of grave time. That was the 2018 uh, crazy South Carolina Ole Miss game. Can y'all, that, can y'all see that? Is it, uh, is it big enough? I know on my screen it's not, but for y'all, are y'all able to see? see. I can't. I got to kind of squint. I can kind of ish see. That's a little bit better. Y'all may have to go full screen to, to see this, but – uh, this is from the folks at 506sports.com, Chris. They have an excellent cool. game-viewing guide every single week. Um, but I think you're, Kentucky Ole Miss, Yep, that's got to be the nooner, right? I mean, I don't see anything else on here that grabs my attention. Absolutely. Uh, the, and what, where's the Clemson game, Clemson-NC State? Yeah, that's at 7.30. 7.30. Oh, there it is, right up top. Yeah, that's one for me. Um, yeah, the Nooners definitely Kentucky, Ole Miss. I'd watch that game. That'd be my pick, even if South Carolina wasn't playing them next week. So just some bonus points there. Um, I am, I'm interested in A&M Mississippi State. Just to kind of watch that. But I'll probably, the afternoon game, I'll probably go back and forth, mainly between Wake and Florida State, and then the Bama Arkansas game, mm-hmm. and then of course at night. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll flip back and forth, but NC State Clemson will be that'll be TV one. That'll be the primary. Yeah, I was about to say. So here's how I categorize them in my head: um, primary TV, uh, secondary TV, third will be iPad. Like, uh, let me let me throw this on. Okay. On the yeah. side. Um, so, 12 o'clock, Kentucky Ole Miss, definitely primary. I don't even know if the anything else will get busted out. <laughs> yeah, I might just watch that one straight up. Maybe I'll say no secondary TV at noon, okay. but uh, maybe, maybe Oklahoma at TCU on the iPad just to see. Um, game, let's see, middle of the afternoon – Wake at Florida State would be primary TV. Alabama at Arkansas would be secondary. But if that game got close, swap them. Yep. And then we'll give Oklahoma State at Baylor some love on the iPad. Um, NC State at Clemson's got to be your top one. I don't even. I mean, LSU at Auburn—that's kind of blah right now. Georgia at Missouri is blah. Um, I'll check in on West Virginia at Texas just to see if it's interesting. Might check in on Virginia at Duke just to see how uh, our boy Des Kitchens is doing up there, offense coordinator. Otherwise, man, I'm uh, I'm watching the Braves take on the Mets. Game two of that series on Saturday night as well, so I gotta I gotta include that absolutely in the thought process there. Um, Good, it's good. a decent week. It's a decent week, man. Oh, it really is, and and I'm very interested in. I mean, the Kentucky Ole Miss game, fascinating to me. Who you got in that game? Spoiler. I picked Ole Miss. I did too. I did too. I like What's Ole the Miss. line? Do you know? I don't know. All right, let me effort that. Um, oh, the last person to ask on lines, I never know, which I should. Sometimes I know the South Carolina line. Um, but, yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, somebody asked earlier, Matthew Bentley, how does Carolina stop the run against Kentucky? Here you go, from YouTube. We're going to dive into that starting on Monday, I would imagine, Wes. But that is a key question. To take it back to last night just a little bit, 
few too many gash runs, I think, for SC State. One of they obviously had the change up. Uh, Beamer said they didn't really expect that or anticipate that. Can't remember quite how he worded it, but they did put in a, a running quarterback and they did gash Carolina with a couple runs, had a touchdown call back with a holding penalty, which I think the hold was consequential to the play. Um, but that, that's something to watch. You know, it wasn't like they got SC State certainly didn't go up and down the field on them, but a few, a few chunk runs and with what Kentucky wants to do and what we've seen from South Carolina this year, that's, uh, that's something to watch for. Yeah, a co- and like you said, man, a couple of those were off QB run where it just kind of – it looked like Carolina attacked the running back and then quarterback kept it. And, and I mean, pretty explosive kid, actually. So, that uh, that'll probably be something we see SC State do more of um, as their season goes on. Wow. So, Kentucky is obviously a top-10 team right now, which is generous, but still, they are. Ole Miss is a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Mm-hmm. So they're almost a touchdown favorite in this game. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think Ole Miss, they may, they may be, they probably are the better team, but even if they aren't the better team, Ole Miss's offense just, you just, it, no matter who's playing them, and they've lost a lot of guys off this offense. And I haven't really watched them yet this year. But with Kiffin, they're just such on the attack yeah. that they are uh they're they're just tough for anybody from a matchup standpoint, I think, man. You muted, Chris. They are. Lane is uh he's obviously really good. Um Jackson Dart playing well for them. They have had Kentucky and Ole Miss last week both kind of scuffled against their opponents, right? I mean, Ole Miss and I think Tulsa um, had some trouble there. Kentucky's last game was what, Northern Illinois? I think they won that one by eight. So it'll be interesting. I, I do think I do think that Kentucky, our guy Ben DeRosia here, saying he's hammering the Rebels, UK's fool's gold. I think Kentucky's a very good team. I, I'm i like you, Wes. I, I don't buy top 10 right now. But they can go on the road at Ole Miss and, and pick up a win. Maybe they're, uh, maybe they're in that conversation. Wes, any chance to go to another SEC game? You mentioned Bama, Arkansas, and how you might flip over if that one gets close. Arkansas have any shot. Because we talked about that a few weeks ago. You always have a shot, but I don't think it's a good one. If they hit, if they had, if that field goal had not hit the literal top of the goalpost, however big that section is on the top of the goalpost in diameter, would you feel the same way? Yes. If they were undefeated. Yeah. Um, I think, I think Alabama will force. They'll do everything they can, and they actually probably have the players to do it. They will force Arkansas into enough third and longs, which that's where they really struggle. Like, they can throw the football to an extent, but it's more when they're throwing the ball on their terms as opposed to being forced to throw the ball. And I just – I I don't see it happening. I'd, I'd love to see a great game. I would love to see Arkansas knock them off, actually. And if they can stay ahead of the chains – then, you know, it could happen. But yep. I doubt it. Not banking know. on it? No, I don't know what the line is on that one either. But No, I'm I'm going with Bama too. But um, I still do like Arkansas. Still think that's a good team. Tough team. Tough matchup. Um, Let's close this thing out, man. Any – back to Carolina. Any of the uh, – let's see. Wow. Alabama is 17-and-a-half point favorite right now. So – Vegas has it as a wide, wide, wide margin. But, Chris, any of the young guys that caught your attention that got in against SC State, I will say this. First of all, Kaysen Henry in the game, not only in the game again, in the game fairly early. Early-ish, yeah. Some interesting things going on with the O-line right now. Jalen Nichols is back. Like, he was back last week. I thought they were just kind of easing him in. But he was back this week, played quite a bit, 
yet Ja'Kai Moore still got the start. They seem to kind of be tying Nichols and Trey Jones together. They bring in, I think it was the third or fourth drive of the game, they brought in Jalen Nichols and Trey Jones at left tackle and left guard. Uh, so that's, th- I think, third straight week that Trey has played um, and played fairly early at left guard. So there's been some rotation. Wanamaker obviously played right tackle with Dylan Wanam still out. And uh, i tell you, man, the kid on defense, not a young guy, but an inexperienced guy, Bam Martin-Scott continues to run around, continues to make plays, and looks the part size and athletic-wise. That was the guy I was going to say. I mean, that was really the main one that came to mind. And I was also going to say not not a young guy, but has not played a lot of football here at South Carolina. And so he had uh, – but I think Beamer was kind of laughing about it. He had – should have had one pick. And then I think the helmet – did we have the two block punts last night? Is that what we have them down for technically? I guess. And got it. One of, and one of them was a block, but then goes off somebody else and – Yeah. I mean – that Got recovered. Bam got hit. Go ahead. Sorry. There were two because one one of them got blocked. Yeah. And it sort of – it got tipped, and Josh came up. Josh Van came up and tried to scoop it and missed it. Then the other one got tipped and then hit off of – is it Bam's head that it hit off of? Hits off Bam's head and then gets uh, recovered, I think, by Marion Brown on that one. Yeah, just so he he had a couple uh, interesting plays, but did did end up getting the pick. But yeah, I mean, what I continue to be impressed with with, with Bam is he's been pretty good in space. You know, I mean he uh, he's got a knack for for moving into spaces. He can he can blitz. He can he can run. Um, he's a big long guy, and man, he got. <laughs> He got that interception, and he's kind of going towards the sideline. I'm like, all right, he's just going to run out of bounds. No, he just kind of pushed his teammate out of the way. He's like, no, I, I got some more to do here, and uh, look, look pretty good on that. So that that was interesting, but yeah, good good to see him continuing to come on. And even though, I mean, we'll continue, you know, to beat this this dead horse. But you know, Mo Kaba losing him was big, right? But Bam's come on some. Debo Williams has come on. They've got Stone Blanton. They're working him in. He's a true freshman. He's still learning, but they've got him. So continuing to develop those guys, especially Bam, I think, you know, could could end up paying some dividends even this season. Yeah, I think that was Stone that Bam maybe knocked out of the way on, on his return. That's impressive. Yeah, I, I think it was. Guy. Yeah. Um, did, I, did I just lose y'all or am I still here? You're good. Oh, I this thing just made the weirdest noise I have yeah, ever you, heard it make. So. Yeah, I didn't know what happened. You look very alarmed there. <laughs> no, it, it it was such I don't know. I've like it was kind of like all right, we need to get off here. Um, like it it made yeah. it's kind of like the Matrix noise, but a little bit different. I don't know. Um, it's a bad sign. What was I about to say? I just completely lost my train of thought on that. But Bam looked good. Oh, D, Debo Williams. We were talking about him going in. He got in the game a little bit earlier, I feel like. The numbers, looking at PFF, um, looking at your snap count, he didn't play a like ton, but um, he did play some, and I think got in the third drive of the game, I believe. So the other back, the backup linebackers, I think, are playing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more as the season goes on. But be interesting to see if Bam sees his playing time go up and gets out there a little bit more when the game is on the line, you know, as opposed to like late game snaps. Um, all right, y'all, we got, we got plenty of time next week to talk about South Carolina, Kentucky. And um, the Monday show will not be, this just became what the Monday show usually is. So we will have more time than ever to break down Kentucky. We'll work on getting us a Kentucky guest as well to come on and talk a bit about them from that perspective. And uh, I'm going to go watch that game this weekend. I think that'll be fun. I think it'll be an entertaining game. Um, as I said, when we started, I hope y'all stay safe. And before we get out of here, I got to tell you about my buddy, Clint Hammond of the mortgage network, uh, 803-771-6933 is how you can get in touch with Clint and uh, great dude, great Gamecock and can help walk you through this uh, mortgage process. I will say this, Chris, I know some people going through the home 
sales process right now. And I am more convinced than ever that a great realtor and a great uh, mortgage broker worth their weight in absolute gold because there are some bad ones out there too. So um, <laughs> let, let me just say, if you, if you have a great realtor, which uh, Kendall Walsh, who supports us on 107.5, she's fantastic. And then Clint, who um, handles any mortgage activity I've ever had to do, he's been fantastic there. And uh, also got to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax. Uh, they can help you overcome your tax ID, 803-462-5576. If you filed an extension, I didn't know this at all. Chris, did you know this? That if you filed an extension, your, your deadline is coming up. I didn't know this until we started doing this read. Um, so if you file an extension, that deadline is at the middle of next month. So go ahead, make sure you get everything turned in that you need. You don't want the IRS coming after you. But if the IRS is coming after you, our friends at Liberty Tax will help represent you, tell you what you need to know um, moving forward to help get you out of that IRS mess. So again, 803-462-5576. Huge shout out to Larry and our friends at Liberty Tax for supporting the show. And huge shout out to everyone here for supporting the show as well. Chris, final thoughts. Sorry, I locked up there. Uh, no final thoughts for me. Really looking forward to diving into the Kentucky matchup. This It's going to be a fun week. Um, no shortage of storylines going into this one. And we need – well, actually, it's kind of – cool that we get to do a full kind of preview show on Monday instead of recapping the South Carolina game and starting to dive in Kentucky. We can dive in headfirst to Kentucky and we'll have a very recent game to scout because I, I still think, said earlier, still not quite sure in my opinion what we have with the South Carolina team. Feel the same way about Kentucky. About a couple close games in there. The ones they've won, they haven't really been challenged yet against some lesser opponents. So, I think we'll learn a lot about Kentucky against Ole Miss in Oxford this weekend. So looking forward to checking that out and looking forward to diving in next week. There's been some assumptions about Kentucky, and I think a lot of people bought in completely to the win over Florida um, because Florida had just beat Utah, then Kentucky beats them. And it's a great win for them. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not taking anything away from that. But I don't think that necessarily means – Kentucky is definitely a top 10 team either. And you know what, man? I'll be very, very interested to see Sunday afternoon when the lines come out, how much is Kentucky favored by over South Carolina? I think that'll be very interesting. I think maybe nine points that okay. pops into my head for some reason. I think it'll be a little more than a touchdown, but not. it's not going to be some astronomical number either. No. So we'll see. We, of course, will have complete coverage on Gamecock Central. We will end it the way we started by telling all of you to stay safe out there. Be careful. Uh, don't go out in this mess unless you absolutely have to. And uh, we'll see you all after this weekend on Monday. Y'all have a good one. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. 
Kansas, 1 770 Stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1 800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800 327 5050 for 24 7 support in Massachusetts or call 1 877 8 Hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.